0: You're listening to Power Producers Shop Talk, where we are refining and redefining the sales game by equipping you with the tools you need to differentiate yourself in the marketplace.
1: Well, it's like when we audit the mod with Mod Advisor and are able to give them the action items that they're going to use to lower their total cost of risk.
0: Tactical skills that will help you provide deliverable value to your clients and prospects.
2: It's going to be a great year in 2022 at Florida Risk Partners. Now that IPFS is in the game with their total pay strategy, we can write excess and surplus lines and completely remove The agency bill from our agency. People, if you're not using Total Pay by IPFS, you're definitely leaving money on the table. And
0: action items that you can
2: provide to take your prospects and clients to the next level. Having partners like Mineral only bolsters the fact that your clients do not care about the insurance it's all of the value that you're able to add and with partners like mineral who can help with both hr and environmental health and safety we can't help but win
0: this is power producer shop talk production redefined are you ready to feel the power
2: Hey everybody! Welcome to Power Producers Shop Talk, where we are t minus thirteen days and counting until Key West. Yeah, I feel like the overwhelming majority of shop talks, considering we record in batches, I'm headed to Key West plus (laughs) or minus two or three (laughs) weeks every time. That (laughs) is
1: that is fairly accurate.
2: Yeah, I I just realized. Well, I don't know about that, but I mean, I. I don't ever listen to the podcast. I do sometimes, but when I do, it's usually like if I've got a road trip, then I can plug it in. Because, right, if and when That's I'm true, on man. the Peloton or the treadmill, I am not going to be motivated by listening to the two of us yakking. Right? Like no, I know a lot all. of people who listen to podcasts working out, but I need like Oof, ACDC, no. you know, terrible. Motley Crue, something like that to get me going. And Shop Talk is not it. But when I do listen, it's like, holy crap, we were heading to Key West again and again. again? Yeah. Now I understand why so many people ask me, oh, you're going to be in Key West this weekend? I'm like, no, I go once a quarter. But the way that the <laughs> recordings work, it sounds like I'm there all the time.
1: Exactly. I agree with you about the pods and, and um, not listening to them. Really, I, I used to listen to a bunch when I was on the road more and driving around. I had several that I would listen to, and and now that I'm like you know, house just and basically office
2: clocking lev- clocking revenue from your house every day.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm like I'm not just going to sit here you know and listen to pods while I'm at my desk. I guess I could, but I'm really, a horrible hey, multitasker, so it's like can I just impossible. say I'm really glad? Yeah,
2: can I just say I'm really glad we had Dan, Dan Abrahamson on the podcast from Cover Whale. Because yeah. thanks to him, you hammered a nice trucking account in yeah. ten minutes or less yesterday it was with Coverwell,
1: dude. Very quick, very ple- when it's something that fits in their box, it's done easily and very quickly. Like I got that that lead came in at three thirty-five. I called them at uh, three, like forty-two or something like that, and then I had the quote done before four o'clock. Turned it around to him, and he's like, "Where do I sign?" So, I mean, that's what we're looking for. Yeah. No,
2: I love it. Yeah. I absolutely love it. It's a nice augmentation to the other markets that we have for trucking because they certainly don't take everything. No. How about Florida trucking insurance coming out of nowhere and probably processing close to 100 leads in the last 45 days?
1: Pretty wild, man. Um,
2: yeah. That's that's a testament to Mr. Chris Langel at Local Traffic Marketing, and I don't even mind giving him a plug for it.
1: He doesn't pay Chris. me to
2: say that. He pays me by by giving me a return on investment on my spend with his company. My man called me up and said, "We're really killing it in the trucking space right now. You want any trucking leads?" And I'm like, "Oh, we don't really have any trucking markets. Let me make a couple of calls, pick up the <laughs> phone, get a couple of trucking contracts as needed, like literally, like over the phone, and then." Two hours later, the first lead drops already. Like it was insane. We Florida trucking insurance was nothing when I woke up one morning, and over the course yeah. of that first weekend, I've never seen anything like it. Over the course of the first weekend, uh, that was on a Thursday. By Sunday night at ten o'clock, we had had three three dozen leads drop.
1: Wow. Yeah. Oh my now, god.
2: Now here's here's yeah here's uh, we look. We'll do a separate podcast on that. People number one, they weren't free. We did have ad spend behind it. But when he said he could make it rain, it was a monsoon, and <laughs> we, we can get into all. I think we do need to get into all the mechanics on that at a different time. I think that's um, a good when episode. we record. But today, we're going to upgrade. Like we're not even going to talk about nonsensical insurance transactions. Who wants to talk about making ten, fifteen, twenty thousand in commissions a pop? When you can talk with Carrie huh. Wallace, that's there is no price that you can put on uh-huh. that. There is oh, no price. Oh my
3: goodness.
2: And so we are going to spend the next 6 weeks of shop talk with Ms. Wallace diving into what she does. Like this is really to me this is a series we should have done 2 years ago. But honestly with the way the economy's going and everything is changing and at some point money's going to start to dry up a little bit. I really think it's even more important today that agency principles or those aspiring to be... By the way, if you're a producer and you think this isn't for you you're never going to be an agency principal because you should be learning this when you're a producer, not when you own the agency. So if you don't understand what we're getting into, that means you need to listen to every single one of these episodes because that's how you're going to be able to maximize your net worth at the end of the day. So we are going to talk about a a bunch of different things regarding agency valuation, mergers and acquisitions, and all of that. But today on this episode, we are going to do a quick run through on why you want to use EBITDA as opposed to revenue. So before we do that, Carrie, just give them the quick 10,000-foot overview. You've been on a couple of times already, but we keep growing Occupational Hazard, and we have people who might not know who you are. So why don't you, why don't you just give them the 10,000-foot overview, and then we're going to dive into it.
3: Awesome. So um, I've been in the industry for about 14 years and my background is finance. I've never sold a policy. I'm not licensed. I am not an insurance agent. I am a business person focused on helping independent agents maximize the value of their agency, grow their business, and truly protect the assets that they have. You guys protect your customers. I see myself as, as being a business partner to agents that want to transition, that want to grow, And that want to maximize the value of their asset and run it like a business. So that is what I do. I actually run a a business called Agency Focus. um, And I only, only deal with independent insurance agencies. Those are my clients.
2: Sweet. Yeah. So we're warmed up. Now let's get into the meat of it. I think before we get into why you should use EBITDA over revenue, offline, you said we should probably define EBITDA first. And I said we should probably define revenue first. So, (laughs) people, revenue. This is how I say it premiums for show, revenues the dough, or premiums for vanity and revenues for sanity. You can't make payroll. No, but I'll make them up while we're in Key West. (laughs) (laughs) You can't pay payroll with premium. Well, you can, but you're probably going to get in some trouble for it. But, Uh you know. Revenue is commissionable revenue and it drives me nuts. I don't know if it's because people come from a captive background or personal lines only, but when I see agencies talking about, oh, oh. I have an X dollar premium agency, it's like, okay, I, great. Just, I just
1: feel like because that number is obviously always bigger. So it's right. Maybe it's an ego thing, maybe it's like, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the reason for that is, but that would be my that would be my input on it.
2: Well, that that's why I say premiums for vanity, revenues yeah, for right. sanity,
1: right? Yeah, yeah,
2: people want to brag about it. I'd also
3: say, it, David, right? you know the the agency owners that I know that talk in revenue to their producers are actually building the future leaders of agencies. If you can think in revenue, um, and I understand carriers thinking premium, but if you can be able to have in your mind revenue is really what drives the business, you're a whole lot better off if you can if you can switch that mindset. So revenue is mm-hmm. not a bad thing. Um it's just it's not the way we communicate. And it's also not the way to communicate about the value of your agency as well, because I think there are a lot of agency owners that leave money on the table when they talk that way. Um, there's a lot of I heard so and so did this with their agency and it was a multiple of revenue. So therefore, it applies to me. And you and I both know agencies are very different than each other. So. Well, yeah, I mean,
2: I could be somebody who writes nothing but excess and p- surplus lines and tell you that I have a $20 million a year agency when I'm talking about premium, and my agency is really only $2 million in revenue. But if I have that same $20 million and it's all standard lines, my agency would be closer to $3 million. So it's actually could be 50% larger, but nobody would know because you're using the one constant that actually has variables attached to it to determine what the Ultimate earnings of the agency is
3: exactly, and I'm with Kyle. Like it sounds better, you know. If, mm-hmm. if I'm if I'm on an intro call with an agent and I say, "Okay, tell me about your agency," I know immediately if they're talking about premium or revenue just by the way in which they're talking. An agency, and it's unfortunate. I think that we just need to retrain ourselves to speak in the in a common language that makes sense. I mean, here's the deal: if you're if you're a scratch agency and you grew to anything, 1.2 million, be proud of it. I mean, you don't need to tell me your premium to be super over the moon that that's where you are. And that's actually, you know, my attitude whenever I talk to an agency. So I'm with you. This common language needs to, um, needs to be clarified, especially if you're going to start thinking about comparisons between agencies, which is dangerous, by the way.
2: Well, here's the other thing. And I think about this a lot. Where do people learn how to be an agency owner? Nowhere. Exactly. Right? Nowhere. So we want to gripe and complain because our clients are buying insurance a certain way, yet we're the ones who taught them how to do that. There's no way for them to go learn how to buy insurance. There's, if you're going to run an agency, the only way you have to, to learn it is either baptism by fire... Or you've got a really good agency principal that wants you to understand the nuts and the bolts of the agency and how different things work together so that at some point, they want to leave, you're in place to be able to perpetuate the agency. I think we do a really bad job as an industry in training people on how to run agencies. We have CSR courses. We have producer courses. It's where it ends.
1: Why is that? Is we have that agency management.
2: Because- There's an agency management course in the national hey. Alliance, but I'm talking about like, and, and you know, I, I, let me take that back for a second. Miles Merwin's doing a good job with this, with Producers to principals. So he's trying to make that happen, and he's doing it in a very real and practical way by bringing people in to his agency and having them produce while they're learning with the intention that at some point they're going to leave to start their own agency. It's almost like he's Mm. got an agency incubator.
3: Yeah. And honestly, there are other programs out there, but sometimes they're just not transferable to... Being an independent insurance agency owner, like you can have entrepreneurial classes, you can have financial acumen classes, you can have all those things, but it breaks down at a point where um, the agency is different than the average, you know, small business. There's no there's no inventory on your balance sheet to manage. There's there's certain core functions that you have in financial classes that don't apply. Actually helped build a program in North Carolina that's that's literally targeted at looking at all parts of being an owner and the financial one we just recreated completely in order to really do this like mini masterclass on how do you, wh- what should you be thinking about as an owner so there are people trying to tackle that I would agree with you but it's a void there's, there's it's there's no question about that
2: and did you do that with Aubie's group
3: of course I did.
2: Yes. Yeah, I mean, like seriously, people, there are a few better in the country than Aubie Knight at championing yeah. independent agents in my book. Like, absolutely, not, and I'm He's not so saying focused. that to, for it to be for for it to be a political move. Like, if you want to see how to cultivate independent agencies and make agents better, follow what Aubie Knight in the Big Eye, North Carolina, is doing, and it is a roadmap. Like, this guy impresses me every time I turn around.
3: Yeah, I mean, super focused on getting people into our industry, um, training them to be service, literally having a different career. And then if you're an agency owner, training you on what you need to do. I mean, they have so many resources and are so focused on the core of what it means to be successful. Uh, they're a great partnership for me. There's no two ways around that. So, mm-hmm. well, let's talk about EBITDA then. We talked about yeah, revenue. We yeah, let talk about premium. EBITDA. Yeah, we talked about revenue. And here's the deal. One of, uh, EBITDA basically stands for earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. And honestly, that's where I stopped talking about EBITDA. EBITDA is literally just think profit. EBITDA is the profit of your business. So but it's not, running, it's not as
2: fun for agency principles to throw around profit because we all know what that means. We don't sound nearly as sophisticated as we do when we say <laughs> EBITDA. That's even right. though most every agent out there didn't know what the acronym stood for until you just said it.
3: Right. So, and, and why, why we're talking about those components to get to the true profitability of an agency is it's taking all the non-cash things out of your statement to get to what is the profit from running your business? Your revenue, less your operating expenses, add back all the non-cash things if you have a loan and there's interest on it, if you're depreciating assets, All that stuff doesn't matter. We're going to add that back and talk about what your true profit is. That's the number that we focus on in order to talk about the value of your agency. It's not your top line revenue. It's the profit inside that agency. That's the number that gets multiplied by a factor in order to determine the value of your agency. And the reason we don't want to just use one number. Is the same reason if I go to the doctor and I'm sick, I don't want them to base their diagnosis on one number like my blood pressure. That's really not going to tell them everything about me. It's going to tell them one piece of information about my agent or about my health. Same thing with your revenue. Your top line revenue says something about you. That's fantastic, but it's not the whole story. And EBITDA. By, by using a methodology to value an agency based on EBITDA, it allows the person either contemplating buying the agency or the person running this agency to look at all of the health associated with that agency. That's, that's the reason behind it. We're not just trying to complicate it for the heck of it. It's really a holistic approach to what is the health of your business and what's the value and what can you do? But the biggest thing is, what can you do to increase it? Um, If it's just your top line number, the only way to increase it is to do what, David?
1: Sell Sell more. more.
3: (laughs) Yeah, and I agree, you should sell more, but is that the only way to improve the business? No. Absolutely
2: not. So, no, the problem is that's the easiest way to 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 improve the business and sadly, unfortunately, and I think for some of us we have the mindset that if a problem comes, we can just sell our way out of it. And when you're of a certain size, that works. But at some point you start getting bigger and your problems start getting bigger and selling out of it is no longer an option.
3: No, of course not. It's, am I doing it efficiently? Am I scaling it? Do I have the right infrastructure? Now we're getting into the whole health of your business. It's not just, can I, can I drive top line revenue? So, and I'm not trying to imply that the revenue and the growth of an agency isn't important in the value calculation. It's just one piece of that puzzle. Um, So, when you hear someone talking about the value of their agency is two times revenue, let's just say the most common thing that I hear, and now it'd probably be 2.25 times or two and a half times or three times, whatever that is, I would tell you an agency that wants to be valued based on one number, which is their revenue, if they're of a certain size, they're not running their agency in a way that they would maximize an EBITDA valuation, which means if you're the buyer, I'd beware. Because if you're running a profitable agency, you want to be valued by EBITDA because your number will go up. That's that's a fact. So I, I would be cautious if mm. someone's pushing you to give them two times revenue and they don't want you to look beyond their revenue line, go a different direction. Because mm. that well, agency, I mean, truthfully, I mean, I hate
2: yeah, I hate I hate to ask a question that seems painfully obvious to me. <laughs> like, why wouldn't you want to look past revenue regardless, right? You like, have
3: to look past revenue. You have to, yeah. right? Yeah. If you're going to make an investment, the revenue is a one data point. But what's the predictability that that agency is going to continue to produce that way? What's right. their retention rate? Are they growing? Are they pro- I mean, there's so many things to ask. But, you know.
2: Are they niche? Are they generalist? Personal commercial in the com I mean, I, yeah, you're right. you could go do they the have Alexander. one huge
3: account? Like what's the yeah, risk there? True. Do they have three huge accounts and the rest are all small? and if they lose any one of those accounts, it's half the half the value. Like there's a yep. lot to go past that, you know. So just be aware when someone's talking at a multiple of revenue, I understand it's easy and it's common language in our age in our industry. You have to think in EBITDA in order to make a good, sound business decision. And honestly, that's what I think I bring to the agents that I get to work with is that I help them think about it from a business perspective, not necessarily just um, from the common language that exists. So, yes. The other thing I would tell you is, you know, I, I get asked a lot. So. At what point, what size agency does it make sense to get a valuation and do EBITDA versus revenue and all of that? And it's a great question because you either are buying an agency or you're buying a book. If you're buying a book, you should look at it the same way as EBITDA, but maybe not a full valuation. You still wanna know the predictability of that book. You still wanna know the makeup of the book. You still wanna know the transferability of that book of business, the losses in that book. There's a lot to look at. So the same methodology that's used in evaluation using EBITDA is the same principle you should apply to a book analysis. So again, you might translate that to, okay, I know what I can pay for that book of business, um, but too often I still think we say, I still just want two times my book. Okay, but what's what's supporting the two times the book? You gotta make sure it Mm -hmm. cash flows and you got to make sure that that is a sound book of business.
1: Makes sense. If I had a mic
2: I'd drop it but this <laughs> one's mounted. I mean, I, I don't know got, what I else have to say. I literally
1: zero to add to that.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. Like so here's funny. the deal people, we're trying to keep these in easy to digest bites. I right. think I think we've hit EBITDA to death and we're right on time. What are we talking about next, Kerry? Tell them what they're going to hear next week.
3: Uh, We are talking about the um, benchmarks and how we're changing the benchmarks inside agencies.
2: I'm so glad I didn't ask that question when we were talking about EBITDA because I was really, really close. So everybody, this is the best six episodes you could possibly listen to in the next six weeks. No offense to all my good friends who have podcasts. They're not putting money in your pocket like we are. Pay attention to the next six, next five weeks after this one of Shop Talk. We're going to be back to talk about benchmarks next week. Everybody have a great weekend. See ya.